Good morning, friends. This is part three of our Easter series, Look Again, a new perspective on Easter. You know, we, we pour our time and focus into the Easter season and the death and the burial and resurrection of Christ, and that's a good thing, and, and this great gift that we've been given of a living Savior in Jesus, and we should do that. Yet, we show our true love <clears throat> and thankfulness to God by how we walk each day of our life. You know, uh, because of what's going on with this virus that we're hearing so much about these days, there's a lot of walking that's taking place. People are walking the neighborhoods. Uh, I know the neighborhood we live in. We see uh, husbands and wives walking. We see uh, men and women walking their dogs and, and mothers and daughters walking together. And it's a good thing because there's a lot of connecting going on. Um, and we get out and walk. In fact, my wife loves it when, when I take the time to walk with her. It's a time where we connect and we, we share and we talk back and forth and we encourage one another. Sometimes we'll bicker a little bit and uh, that's not a good thing, but we try to uh, rectify that before we get back to the house. And uh, it's a good thing, though, to, to walk, to enjoy fellowship. And I'm, I think of the scriptures and how the, the Bible talks about, in a word picture, how we're to walk as followers of Christ. And I'd just like to reference, by way of introduction, uh, several verses from the book of Ephesians that Paul gives us regarding this idea of how we're to walk as followers of Christ. And he says in chapter 4, verse 1 of Ephesians, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. In other words, we're to walk in a way that's pleasing to Christ. We're to walk worthy. We're not to, to mess up as we walk this life. We're to, to live out the truths of, of the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and self-control. We're to walk that way. Ephesians 5 verse 2 tells us to walk in love as Christ also has loved us. So again, be loving as we walk. Walk in a way that's pleasing to Him. Don't walk that, that it's your duty to walk, but walk because you love Him. We're to not walk in darkness, Ephesians 5, verse 8, but we're to walk as we're walking in the light of the, the Lord. Walk as children of light. Again, walk in truth. Walk in the light. Let your light shine. And then one more, Ephesians 5, verse 15 says, So then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And that, that word circumspectly simply means walk carefully. And we're to be careful as we walk because days are hard and days are evil. We're not to be thoughtless as we walk. These truths in Ephesians help us as we uh, do our daily walk. And, and I'd like us to lead now into a, a walk that took place uh, right after the death of Christ. And that is what we know as the walk to Emmaus. So turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 24 if you have them and follow along as we go through this passage and we, we, we see and meet two disciples who were on a walk heading back home. They had been to Jerusalem, they're defeated, they're downcast, and, and they're depressed. They, they, they had just experienced the, the, what, what they were hoping to be their Messiah and Jesus to uh, the fact that they'd experienced his death and he'd been buried and, and, and they're just downcast. So let's try to get into their walk this morning as we look at this passage and imagine with me 
what these disciples were going through. And the first thing I'd like us to consider is they were very confused. So we would call this their state of confusion. In Luke 24, we read in verses 13 through 18, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, verse 17, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Now, just a side note to all this. Some think that one of these men, Cleopas, was the actual uncle of Jesus, the brother of his father, Joseph, which is kind of a neat thing to think about. So he's a relative of Jesus. And then others would say, as, as, as they try to figure out who these disciples were, that, that it would be his wife. So Cleopas and his wife are, are walking. They're journeying back home to, to, uh, to Emmaus. These are just thoughts uh, as we introduce this. But they'd been to Jerusalem. They'd heard bits and pieces, and they're very confused. To them, Jesus wasn't all they thought he would be. And, and what they're holding on to, jump down to verse 21, where it says, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped that he'd be our Messiah. And, and their, their thought was, how could our Messiah, this promised savior, Savior, be one who was put in prison, who was crucified, and then buried. And it made no sense to them. In fact, how would we react? How would I react it in this season? How do I react when things are not what I think they should be? What's going on around us with this virus we hear so much about is... is is something that causes us, I believe, to be downcast, to de depressed a little bit, and to, to think, well, what's really going on? And we need a word. We need a word from Jesus. And, and that's what Jesus gives to these two disciples. And I believe he gives us these words for us this morning as well. Jesus not only knew where they had come from and where they were going, he also knew exactly what they were feeling and what they were struggling with. The God of the universe, Jesus Christ, God the Father, they're omniscient. In other words, they know everything. They know all the details. They connect the dots. Psalm 139 helps us here. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. He knows. And as Jesus joins these disciples on this road to Emmaus, they don't even realize it's Christ. They don't connect the dots with Christ. He joins them. Of course, we know it's Jesus. And, and he starts to walk along with them on this journey back home. And, and I love what Jesus does here. As we've read this passage, and we'll make reference to it again, he, he connects with them as they walk along. In verse 17, we see he asks a question. What are you discussing together 
as you walk along. And the response Cleopas makes in verse 18 is this. One of them, Cleopas, asks him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? <laughs> in other words, you are in Jerusalem. Surely you had to hear about this crucifixion that took place. It's kind of like a modern-day thought like today, how we hear about the virus, our discussion, our thoughts, the news. is all centered around these days uh, 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 about what's going on with this virus. Um, everyone knows about it. And let's say I walked in and uh, Jonathan and Christian are talking about the virus. And I said, what are you talking about? They say, where have you been? What rock were you under? Everybody knows about this virus. Our four-year-old, Isaiah, he lives right up the street from us. He's our, our little adopted grandson. We just love him to death. And, and a couple weeks ago, my wife wasn't feeling well. And, and so we kind of quarantined her and made sure she wasn't around the grandkids. And, and she was out on the front porch one afternoon. And Isaiah rides by on his bike. And he looks in and says, Grandma, you got the corona? <laughs> and it makes us laugh to think about because even this four-year-old, he, he's aware uh, of something that people are talking about. And it makes us laugh. But, but again, that's where, where they are. And they're saying, Jesus. And they don't know it's Jesus, of course. They're saying, don't you know, man? It, this is the news. And then he goes on and asks the question again. He says, what things? What things, he asks. About Jesus of Nazareth, he replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And again, we don't know why they didn't recognize Jesus. You know, they, they were so down at this time. And in fact, we, we hear the sarcasm here. And, and, and they just don't see who it is. But I love the graciousness we see in Jesus, the kindness. He doesn't get mad. He, he doesn't get put off. He presses on and he presses in. And what things? And he wants to get them talking. And that's what good communicators, good counselors, good followers do. They, they listen and they get others to express themselves. And this is a great example for us as Jesus pressed in to them. And, and he didn't give up as they seemed to want to maybe push him aside. And boy, if we could... If I could just be a better listener and not get frustrated and, and, and get, well, fine. If they don't want to hear what I have to say, fine. But he lovingly listened. And that's what God wants us to do. More than anything, people need to be heard, especially now. People need a word and they need us as followers of Christ to give them and show them the word and show them what it's all about. You know, what a happier family will be when we listen, when we press in, when we, when we push through the awkward and we listen. You know, it's interesting. We have three adult children now. Some of the best counsel I was given back when they got married was, you, you know, you're now uh, an advisor to them. You're not their authority. So let them talk. Let them ask. Of course, that was good advice, and I 
don't always listen to that, but there's times where, where we, my wife and I, especially her, really like to just give our opinion, to give our ideas of what we think our, our kids need. And yet, I love the one approach that our one son, Jeff, said a, a while back. He, he goes, I know that you really have my best interest at heart. And that's precious to us because, you know, we do have a good relationship and we're thankful for that. But, but there's times when we do push through the awkward and, and have to discuss things. And, and, and we're told, hey, back off in, a, in an honoring way. But, but again, the whole idea is dialogue and communicating and, and listening and be there for the best interests of those God puts in our life. In verses 20 through 24, stay with me as we uh, continue through this, this story, continue through this walk with these disciples. It says in verse 20, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had, woman had said, women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And again, they're, we're so consumed with grief that, that, that the comforting wasn't even uh, being received. They were literally walking with Jesus. And, and see, that's kind of what happens at times. We become so self-focused that we miss out on who is right beside us, who's right in front of us. Who, who wants to hold our hand, who tells us, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. He, he's with us, guys. He's going to hold close to us. And again, I, I so often relate to them, these disciples, because I get down and I don't want help. And I, I push people away. I don't want to be comfort. I'd rather have that pity party, that, that what we've said before is that plum disease. Poor little old me, plum disease. It, it's nowhere in scripture. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Suck it up. Learn the truths of scriptures. And these disciples, as they're confused, uh, the good news that was right there with them really was bad news. They believed not only that Jesus died, but his body was stolen. They couldn't see straight because of they being so distraught. You know, one word of counsel as we uh, continue through this walk is, you know, the greatest thing I believe we can do when we get in a season of, 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 of depression and discouragement and hurt, turn yourself outward. Be there for others. Meet the needs of others. Don't make it about yourself. Make it about Jesus. Look on the interests of others. Turn yourself outward. That's, that's great counsel. And, and Jesus did that. He was about others always in his life. He loved them. And, and it's great as we, as we think through this that he, he, he's not going to give up on them. He, he, he's going to continue to be gracious, to be loving, to be the kind Jesus that's right there for us. And, and as I think of... Cleopas, 
how he talked it all out with Jesus. He, he, he just let it happen. He, he was transparent in his confusion, in his disillusionment, in his depression, even in his anger. And, and again, I think that's a good lesson for us too. To, hey, dump it on Jesus. He can handle it. He, he, he's not going to uh, judge us for that. He, he wants us to be transparent and open. So they're in this state of confusion. But what's cool is we're going to see the lights go on for them. And that's our second thought here this morning. Notice verses 25 through 27 where it says, He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as we continue on here, we, we see that Jesus gently makes a rebuke to them. And he says to them, how foolish you are. So he listens and now he rebukes. And what he does, he, 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 he gives them and shows them the power of his word. In John 1, we, we learn that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and, and that's who Jesus is. He's the word. The word Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And he gives them the word. He's giving them the Old Testament here. Earlier in that day, Jesus had rebuked the women who were looking for his body. And notice the explanation here as he uh, gives them and, and the lights go on for them. As he explains to them, he, 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 he gives them the scripture. Using the Old Testament, he clearly explains to them what took place. And, and you know, I wonder what, what it was in the Old Testament he shared. You know, maybe he started in Genesis. Chapter 3, where we read of the, the first mention of the Redeemer, of Jesus himself, Genesis 3, 15 and 16. And, and then possibly he went into the Psalms. And, and, you know, we know many of the Psalms are, are Messianic Psalms. They talk about the Messiah, like, like things like uh, Psalm 22 came out. And then possibly he got into the book of Isaiah, and, and where he talked about uh, how he was going to take our sins, how he was wounded for our transgressions because we were like sheep that had gone astray. You know, he gave a great lesson on the Old Testament. He gives him the word. And then he goes on further. If you just jump down to verses 44 through 46, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. He uses the scriptures to open their minds so they can understand what the scriptures were all about. And, you know, the more we can understand and, and, and let the truth of scripture illumine us, and, and it, it, it becomes more and more sense. So let the comforting of God's word get into you so you can handle and battle and do life in this season we're in. The more 
we know, I believe the more we're going to believe. And the more we see truth, the more we're going to see Jesus. Now, stay with me. There's a revelation here. He reveals himself to these two disciples. Because, you know, as they're talking, again, they're on this journey of seven miles back to Emmaus. You know, they're, they're hearing about the cross. They're hearing about the crucifixion. They're hearing about the resurrection through the Old Testament teachings that Jesus was giving them. And they begin to understand the empty tomb. I love how one theologian says this about this passage. He said this, I think they were divinely kept from recognizing Christ so they would base their understanding on the resurrection squarely on the scripture and not on experience. And what the theologian is trying to teach us, I believe, is is that the truths of scripture are what are going to change us. You know, experiences are and feelings are, are, are hard to trust at times. But, but the truth of the scriptures, I know I woke up this morning and I didn't feel like getting up. I didn't sleep real well. And, and, and yet it's the scriptures, the, 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 what we can hold on to, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Lord Jesus, that we can, that we can have our, our trust and hope in him. That's what we can hold on to. Too often, maybe we base what we feel on things that really don't matter. And, and, and that's dangerous. Emotions are hard to trust sometimes. So they arrive at Emmaus. They've gone this seven mile journey, probably walked about two hours. Conversation between the three was, was enlightening. Disciples wanted Jesus to join them for a meal and they still don't know who he is quite yet. The wife prepares the meal for them, and and they sit around the table. Notice verse 30, it says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Some believe that when he broke bread with them, that's when they said, this must be Jesus. They saw his his nail-pierced hands, possibly. Maybe by the way that he had prayed and gave thanks. What an amazing moment this must have been, sharing a meal with the Lord Jesus. You know, I love sharing meals with people. One, I love food, but typically the fellowship is so precious. You know, I love our staff. There's six of us. We come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, a few days ago, uh, one of the younger staff uh, said, hey, let's go down to Gastonia to Five Guys. And Five Guys have really good burgers and really good fries. And they have really good milkshakes, too, even though I didn't get a milkshake. So we go, we jump in the car. Of course, Jonathan, who likes to make things fun, he, he throws a, a card table in the back of his truck and, and, and some chairs. And we go down to Gastonia. And we order our Five Guy burgers. And we just have a, a precious time. And in fact, uh, Jonathan and Christian, they take the table out and they set it up behind five guys. We found some shade and we just broke bread together. And it just had a, a, a precious time. And, and it was just great to hear their hearts. I, you know, I'll tell you, these guys, Jonathan and Christian and, and Wes right now, are, are such blessings to our church to be able to, to allow all this technological stuff to come into play. And I'll tell you, it, it's, it's helpful because you know... <laughs> I ain't going to do it. 
but it's cool to have them. But the, but the fellowship that came out of that, to, to hear their discussions, you know, again, we're, we're all at different seasons of life and we, we have different experiences, but that they put up with, put up with us is a, is a precious thing. So back to the story, this, this uh, Christ reveals himself to them. And then notice what verse 32 says. This is really cool. They asked each other, because Jesus had just left, were not our hearts burned within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? He opened the scriptures. The author of the scriptures, Jesus, opened his word to them. Isn't that cool to think about? You know, the story's told of this lady who, who received a lengthy love letter from her husband-to-be who had just left for the military. And her family and friends teased her because of her utmost care and frequent reading of the letter. She read it over and over again. She even had it memorized after a while. No other piece of mail ever set her heart on fire the way this one did. What made the letter different from all her other mail? She was in love with the author, and the author was in love with us. That Bible we're holding this morning is God's love letter. Fall in love with the author because the author loves us. It's a great love letter for all of us. In fact, it's a letter that allows our hearts to burn for him. So he opens the scriptures, and then he opens their eyes, and their hearts burned. Now stay with me. There's one last part to this. The walk becomes a run. In verse 33 through 35, we read, They got up, they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So they've just finished a meal. Jesus revealed himself to them. Their hearts had burned, and they get up, and, hey, we got to go back to Jerusalem. So they journey. It's nighttime. It's almost dark, probably, maybe dark. And they go seven miles because they can't wait to tell what was in their hearts. They couldn't wait to share about their encounter with the resurrected Christ. So they reach the disciples. They tell them everything that's happened. That's what burning hearts do. They can't wait to tell. They let their light shine. They live out Matthew 5 where it says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father. So let's let this sink in as we apply this this morning. Let's seek to have burning hearts. We must remember Jesus knows right where we are. Jesus knows the temperature of our souls. He knows if we're ice or on fire. He suffered and died for you and me. What a glorious day of discovery when we realize that Jesus is all he said he was. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes this, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. He rose. Jesus delights to burn fire into our cold hearts this morning. We don't need more light. We need more heat. So 
What can we take this morning with us from this Emmaus Road story? I recognize this morning as I think through this that Jesus is always with us. He's with us every step of the way. He wants to be close to us. He wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to let his word change our life. So I challenge us today as we pull this sermon together that we've heard to maybe discuss these things as we gather this morning. Maybe ask these questions to one another. A question like, do you remember a time when your heart burned because you encountered Christ? I remember in college, God showed me a, a specific passage in Philippians 1.6 where he said, I began a good work in you. I'll complete it until the day of Christ. And I remember how that passage, and it still does, it burns in my heart because I know he's going to get me through. He began something good in me at the age of 16 when I trusted Christ, the Savior, and he's going to get me through. So again, remember a time. Share that when you encountered Christ. Maybe ask the people around you, where have you seen Jesus working? Where are you seeing Jesus working in this season? Or maybe, who have you seen Jesus working in? And personally, how has Jesus worked through you today? Connect with one another. Stay on fire. Walk in the light as he is in the light. And then you will have fellowship. Let's pray. Lord, help us press in close to you and close to others. Don't let us live in fear or defeat or discouragement. You are a mighty God, always at work, even when we don't see it. Father, we ask that you'd open our eyes, reveal yourself to us in a fresh and new way today. Help us to remember every day of the year that you died for us, but you didn't stay in that grave. You rose again. You're with us. You are for us, God, and we hold on to that. Please make our hearts burn within us for you, Jesus. In your precious name, we pray. Amen.